Hello. Are you comfortable? Uh, no, never. Okay. That's just how I live. I'm not either. No. That's fine, though. That's how okay. we do things around around these parts. Yep, that's <laughs> the story of our lives. Whenever I go into the saloon and I see someone who looks comfortable, I'm like, you're not welcome here. We exactly. don't take kindly to you. <laughs> to you comfy folks. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. Right? Yeah, that's how that works, honestly. I don't man. I Fucking paper is everywhere. Anyway. I know. Yeah, so. You're a mess. Uh, well, Yes. <laughs> Yes, actually, but not because of my paper, just like in general. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, so this time you just get to hear us babble at each other again. Yay! <laughs> yeah, are you excited? I, I hey, sure. Hey, you clicked am. on the link. Yeah, you clicked on the link. That is, this is on you, not on us. Yeah, your clicking Band. finger is is up for trial at yep. this point because uh, this was your choice, and now you have to commit to it, and we're gonna do this. So. <laughs> Um, we actually got a request, but first, Andrea, oh, what right. are you afraid of this week? I have to tell you. Yes, you do. I so, want to know. I was listening to ASMR videos on YouTube. Well, kind of listening and watching. Ah, a great right? mistake. And then before I knew it, I was like binge watching Emma Chamberlain. Wait, who's? Oh no! I. Oh my God, who's that? I have a youtube problem now yeah i know i've always i've had a youtube problem for a while i've heard things about emma chamberlain but i can't remember who the fuck she is i never knew who who she was she popped up when i was listening when i was watching asmr videos yeah what the fuck clicked on it because i was like well maybe it's an asmr video. why is this a thing who is this person uh the almighty algorithm (laughs) that does literally nothing Uh, i don't know what to do with myself but i know that i hate myself now (laughs) <laughs> what what does Emma Chamberlain talk about again? She's like the videos start off with her being seventeen or sixteen, and now she's eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm watching okay. a teenager do yeah. things like cooking with Emma, and she goes out and gets her nails done. And okay, so you you accidentally stumbled upon a vlogger. I'm so sorry. I did. I don't like vlog channels. And then I binge watched it. Right? Right? What? How did that happen? I tried doing that a while back with a like like over a year ago with like Shane Dawson, who's also kind of vloggy, and it's just kind of like. When they're really popular like that, mm-hmm. it's really fake because they're signed on to like a TV station or they're signed on to some company and they're like still pretending on their channel that, that this is organic them. life. Yeah, this is just <laughs> how I live and I'm just videotaping it for all you guys that I love out there who I totally know and care about. Like, it was rough. It's been rough. I um, know. I'm sorry. So you're afraid is, of... This is a cry for help and I think... <laughs> Someone somebody. Andrea. <laughs> yeah, somebody. So you're afraid of being like addicted to YouTube. Yes. That's fair. Watching you specifically watching YouTubers that are a lot younger. I mean what, 15, 16 years younger than me. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But I mean it's not like you're watching creepy shit of You're just watching no, like I'm not. Sociopolitically. But creepy I started shit. relating and I was like, oh no. Oh. This is wrong. I don't relate <laughs> to this. This isn't my life. I can't relate. I am over the age of 25, says Andrea. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I feel like human experience actually isn't all that different. Yeah. I mean, if you're like 
70 and part of like you know the greatest generation you'd probably be like the fuck is going on but like <laughs> this is what we yeah. did in my day if you want to get your nails done in my day <laughs> i think it just brought home that i'm a very immature 34 year old that's fine yeah which is fine young at heart that's good yeah that's fine All that's right, not too bad <laughs> yeah so my fear i guess Going off that, let's see. Um, actually, I'm not going to go off that at all. My actual fear <laughs> is that that my body is failing. Again? That's I the mean, same often. fear as last last week and the week before, I think. And yet, you see, my body keeps failing. Okay, so what's is it a new way? Yeah, I got, like, I was, I've been sick for the last few days. And it's weird because I can't figure out why. It's um, not a bug. It's... I don't know what the fuck's going on. I think it's just my body being like, hey, you don't eat things. That's a problem. I don't like that about you. You don't eat or sleep. You should start. I do sleep. I do sleep-ish. Oh. Just not, it's not great sleep. I do sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I try my best. Hey, out there, nutritionists, I try. This is Ren's cry for help. He needs a nutritionist. I do. One that preferably has a medical background. Because all the nutritionists I've been to are like, you know what you can do? is you can study the underside of your tongue and know exactly what's wrong. And I have an acupuncturist that can help. It's like, it's like no, stop it. Like, I want to know what medically I need to do. We don't need alternative, do. uh, nutritionist. alternative medicine nutritionists. Just like the ones that are... Like, can tell me what vitamins I need. Yeah. yeah like, and can come up with a diet plan. Yeah, so I tend to go to the ones who are more like, have a doctoral background, right? Like, yeah. who actually, like, are like going to be honest with me and there not... are nutritionists that have gone through training that they can do this without yeah. a medical background yeah i met like one um, they don't you don't have to be all alternative about it no like i met one that was good but i also i don't know yeah like a lot of the ones i've been to have been really interesting interesting yeah In like they'll, they'll, that's they'll, like, interesting examine. with a capital i yeah. Unless you're wondering how to spell interesting in a bad way. Yeah, that's capital I interesting yeah. <laughs> is absolutely what that was. Yeah, like this one guy, like he literally would like try to like, okay, he'd get you a stand on the balls of your feet and like lean forward. And however you leaned forward, he'd be like, oh, okay, the problem is with your <laughs> liver lobe being descended. And I'd be like, what? No. <laughs> like, wait a minute. You can't descend your liver lobes. I know. I was kind of like... And you can't tell. Well, hey, that sounds <laughs> That's a prolapsed bad. liver, and that's not good. <laughs> right? This was years ago, too. This was before, like, any of my addictions and, like, liver-destroying things. So I was just kind of like... At the time, I was just like, um... Okay. Hmm. They don't just You're too expensive. Around. Right? I know. I was like, how, where did it go? Like, <laughs> come back, lobe. Where do you think you're uh, off to, bud? That's weird. Yeah, it was weird. So, yeah, those are our fears. Okay. Body failing and Andrea being a YouTube addict to bloggers. Wait, New bloggers. addiction. Okay. Yeah. I didn't watch any today, so you should be proud of me. Clap, clap, clap. Thank you. Snaps for Andrea. I watched Grey's Anatomy instead. Um... Don't hmm. take away. You can't. <laughs> you can't de-gift the claps. I will not. I the claps will remain. They will be softer, <laughs> uh, but they'll stay. It's fine. No, you can't modify the claps. They're my claps now. What? So there. When did you get the clap, Andrea? Anyway, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can't believe Thanks. this. So we did get a request. As I said earlier, and like, um, it was for poisoning cases. Yes. 
Yeah. So, like, we've got two true crime things to do with, like, poisoners. Kind of high profile ones. And I didn't get to email the person who requested it back um, because this week has been a nightmare. But I'm going to email them back before we post this. Good. So just in case they're listening and they're like, "Um, I did request this, but I never got an email back. It's coming. Yeah, it's coming. And also you're getting this episode, so come on. (laughs) What more could you ask for? I'm sorry it's a couple days late, but it'll be out before this post, so. It'll arrive. Yeah. At some point. At some point. Someday. All right, are you going first? Did you want to go first? No, I think you should go first. Okay, yeah, mine's longer. Wait, is yours old too? Uh, Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, because apparently this was just the way they did things when they In were 1800s, old. In the 1800s, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're I like, understand. That's how things go down. What other way to murder someone could there possibly be? In the 1800s? 18... Uh, they just knives. hadn't discovered knives yet. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are some things. Guns were around. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know either. So my case is, uh, yes, thank you. I'm glad I'm you're excited. excited. Good. Dr. Thomas Neil Cream. Was kind of a piece of shit, right? That's weird. Yeah, okay. I don't like it. When I was doing the research, something funny comes up later, and I could tell they reworded it not to make a pun. So, (laughs) in the, like, article, yeah, so. Okay. You'll find out. But um, to start off with, Thomas Neal Cream, who was born on the 27th of May, 1850, uh, and died on the 15th of November, 1892, was also known as the Lambeth poisoner and he was a scottish canadian serial killer cool who claimed his first proven victims in the united states and the rest in england and possibly others in canada and scotland probably cream who poisoned his victims was executed after his attempts to frame others for his crimes uh brought him to the attention of the london police because that's what will happen when you do that yeah yeah, so rumors, okay, this is interesting, and I come back to this later, but rumors suggested his last words as he was being hanged were a confession that he was Jack the Ripper, even though he was supposedly in prison at the time of the of a few of the Ripper murders. So he got away with a bunch of Ripper murders, but then as soon as he tries to poison somebody, he's caught. Right? I'm just kind of wondering about that. <laughs> but, like, ridiculous. they never did catch the Ripper, right? And, like, maybe the Ripper was, like, not just into removing uteri. Maybe he was into poisoning, too. Who knows, man? Hmm. Who knows? Jack, Jack's a strange... He's a weird guy. All work, no play. Um, yeah, so, born in Glasgow, Cream was raised outside Quebec City after his family moved there in 1854. He attended McGill University. That's a, that's Canadian place that's a really so that's none of our you have heard version of, of ivy league yeah it, <laughs> which means basically nothing but it was in montreal and he graduated with mcgill's title of mdcm um meaning doctor of medicine and master of surgery and this was a degree in 1876 and his thesis topic was interestingly chloroform cool yeah, who could have seen this coming, I wonder. Yeah, so after that, he went for postgraduate training at St. Thomas's Hospital Medical School in London, and in 1878, he got additional qualifications as a physician and surgeon in Edinburgh, Scotland, right? He then returned to Canada to practice in London, Ontario. So it's going to get confusing, because he's, like, flopping between Londons. But, um, for now, oh, he's in Ontario. He... Oh, he was in... He goes to, like, England, London later. Oh. He, he got around. Okay. So in 1876, he married a woman named Flora Brooks, who he had impregnated and nearly killed while aborting the baby. 
Initially, ah. it was believed, yeah, yeah, so that's not a good start. It was believed that Flora had died of consumption in 1877, but it was a death for which Cream would later be blamed. Okay. Yep, so more murders. Uh, in August 1879, Kate Gardner, a woman with whom Cream was, like, alleged to be, like, having an affair with, was found dead in an alleyway behind his office. And she had been pregnant, too, and was poisoned with chloroform. Okay. Good job, Cream. You really covered your tracks there. But, uh, yeah, Cream claimed that she had been made pregnant by a prominent local businessman. But after being accused of both murder and blackmail, Cream fled to the United States. There, he established a medical practice not far from the red light district in Chicago. Uh, He was basically offering, like, illegal abortions, mainly to prostitutes. And he was investigated in August 1880 after the death of Mary Ann Faulkner a woman on whom he had allegedly operated, but he escaped prosecution for this due to, like, lack of evidence, so shit, I guess. But in December 1880, another patient, Miss Stack, died after treatment by cream, and he subsequently attempted to blackmail the pharmacist who had filled the actual prescription he'd given her. Okay. Um, in April 1881, a woman named Alice Montgomery died of strychnine poisoning following an abortion in a rooming house barely a block from Cream's office. The case was ruled a murder, but it was never, like, solved. The location, time period, and method made Cream a likely suspect, so they're not sure if he did this one. But oh, okay. I suspect so. Probably. I mean, yeah, it seems like this is a, like a pattern. Thing. Yeah, it's classic Dr. Cream. <laughs> um, so on the 14th of July, 1881, Daniel Stott died of strychnine poisoning at his home in Boone County, Illinois, after Cream supplied him with what he'd claimed was a remedy for epilepsy. The death was attributed to natural causes, but Cream wrote to the coroner, again blaming the pharmacist for the death after first attempting blackmail, as is his calling card, apparently. Okay. So this time, Cream actually was arrested, along with Mrs. Julia Abbott Stott, who had become Cream's mistress and had obtained poison from Cream in order to kill her husband, Daniel, right? She avoided jail by blaming it all on Cream, and, huh? which left him to face a murder conviction on his own. Uh, he was sentenced to life imprisonment in Joliet Prison. <laughs> so there's an interesting thing about that. Um, one night, unknown people, they never figured out who did this, probably the family, erected a tombstone at Mr. Stott's grave, which read... Daniel Stott died June 12th, 1881, aged 61 years, poisoned by his wife and Dr. Cream. (laughs) If I am ever murdered, I want them called out on my tombstone. Right? I actually like that. I'm just kind of like, that's badass. That is. That's good. Yeah. So, unfortunately, Cream was released in July 1891. Governor Joseph W. Pfeiffer had commuted, like, his sentence after Cream's brother pleaded for leniency, and allegedly bribed the authorities. So, it must be like a family thing. I mean, also like a rich people thing. But using money he'd inherited from his father, who had died in 1887, Cream sailed for England, arriving in Liverpool on the 1st of October, 1891. So, now he's in London, England. Yeah. And he took lodgings at 103 Lambeth Palace Road, so that's like where he got the name of the Lambeth Poisoner. At the time, Lambeth was ridden with, like, poverty, petty crime, prostitution, which 
made things pretty convenient for cream. Yeah, that's easy. Place yeah. Get your poisoning on. <laughs> get your poisoning on. Great. Yeah, so even more murders. On the 13th of October, 1891, Ellen uh, Nellie Donworth, a 19-year-old prostitute, accepted a drink from cream. She was severely ill the next day and died on the 16th of October from strychnine poisoning. During her inquest, Cream wrote to the coroner, offering to name the murderer in return for a reward of £300,000. He also wrote to W.F.D. Smith, owner of the W.H. Smith bookstalls, so this guy's a big deal at the time, accusing him of the murder and demanding oh money for his silence. Why would yeah. people who didn't do the murder pay you? Right? <laughs> I don't keep it know what he was thinking. Right? Like, this guy's an idiot. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, the legal system there, you could probably finger someone yeah. for this and be like, it was it this was guy. And the police will be like, well, sure. we don't want to do our job, so we'll take it. We don't have we'll forensics yet, so. Yeah, <laughs> we can't verify that. Sounds legit. Good. <laughs> yeah, so on the 20th of October, Cream met with a 27-year-old prostitute named Matilda Clover. This is going to come back to haunt him. She became ill and died the next morning. Her death was at first attributed to, like, her problems with alcohol. But Cream wrote a note to the prominent physician, Dr. William Broadbent, accusing him of poisoning Matilda Clover and, again, demanding cash. So Broadbent sent this letter to Scotland Yard. Mm -hmm. So at this point, Cream's just leaving, like, a huge trail by constantly bribing important has, people. Has bribing – or not bribing – has his blackmail ever worked? Bribing, blackmail – it doesn't – I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. They probably like can't verify. he keeps doing it, and then he keeps getting arrested. Right? I mean, that's the thing. Like, it Without probably has money. worked a few times. It and must just, have. It must he's have. he's just really stupid. I mean, I kind of have a feeling about that. Yeah. Most doctors are. Um, it's true. If you're a doctor, well. I was going to say no offense, <laughs> but actually offense. So, um, yeah, on the 2nd of April, 1892, after a vacation in Canada, again, like, Cream was back in London, Canada. where he, yeah, yeah, he just flops back and forth, this man. He was back in London, where he attempted to poison Louise Harris, often called Lou Harvey, who, being suspicious of him, only pretended to swallow the pills he had given her. Smart, smart yeah. girl. She secretly disposed of them by throwing them off a bridge into the River Thames. Um, Thames. Thames. Fucking... English words. <laughs> I know. How dare your rivers do this to me? How dare your rivers call me out like this? So he's probably like responsible for the deaths of like some fish too, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, fish killer. Yeah, Bastard. fucking, right? We gotta get him. So on the 11th of April, Cream met two prostitutes, Alice Marsh, 21, and Emma Shrivel, 18, and talked his way into their flat where he offered them bottles of Guinness beer. Mm -hmm. Cream left before the strychnine he had added to the drinks took effect. Both women died and likely in agony because strychnine is not an easy way to go. No? Uh, no, surprisingly. Oh. <laughs> it hurts a lot. Oh, okay. It's a bad idea. Good to know. Yeah, so don't do that. Um, so through his accusatory letters, Cream succeeded in drawing significant attention to himself. Not only did the police, like, quickly determine the innocence of those he'd, like, tried to accuse... But they realized there was something significant within the accusations themselves that had been made by the anonymous letter writer. So Cream had referred in the letter to the murder of Matilda Clover. Yet, um, like, Clover's death had only been registered under natural causes relating mm -hmm. to her drinking. Like, yeah. no, it, oh, that was what was publicized. So, like, yeah. how would he know she was murdered, right? Yeah. So 
yeah, there was that. So the police, like, quickly noticed that and um, then realized that this was a serial killer that they were currently referring to as, like, the Lambeth Poisoner in newspapers. They were like, oh, shit, this is our guy. Yeah. So he gained some notoriety at this point in time, predictably enough. Not long after this, Cream met with a policeman from New York City who was visiting London. The policeman had heard of the Lambeth Poisoner, and Cream gave him a brief tour of where the various victims had lived, which, like, why? Right? Like, this is a really bad idea. Cream, what are you doing? So, of course, the American policeman happened to mention it to, like, a British policeman who found Cream's detailed knowledge of the case kind of suspicious. Yeah, Yeah. That's not good. He was like, yeah, that's probably a bad sign. Um, <laughs> as a result, the police at Scotland Yard put Cream under surveillance and quickly discovered his habit of visiting prostitutes. They also contacted police in the United States and learned of their suspect, Cream's, conviction for, like, for that murder by poison in 1881. So, like, nail in the coffin there. Mm-hmm. So this is weird. At the inquest for Cream held by Athelstan Braxton Hicks in July 1892, he read out a letter supposedly written and sent by Jack the Ripper, that declared Dr. Neil Cream innocent. Um, This mainly just produced, like, laughter in the courtroom, including Uh from Cream himself. (laughs) He also thought it was funny. Yeah, so the jury returned the verdict that Matilda Clover died from strychnine poisoning administered by Dr. Thomas Neil Cream. And on the 3rd of June, 1892, Cream was arrested for her murder. On the 13th of July, he was officially charged with her murder, uh, the murder of Donworth, Marsh, and Shrivel, the attempted murder of Harvey, and also, of course, extortion, which he did a lot of. Yeah, so from the start, he insisted he was only Dr. Thomas Neal, not Dr. Thomas Neal Cream. Um, And the newspapers usually referred to him as Dr. Neal in their coverage of the proceedings. So, like, again, so weird. He's like, you've got the wrong guy, you see. I'm just Neal. Cream was a a nickname. Like, what's he going to say, right? Okay. Yeah, so his trial lasted from the 17th to the 21st of October that year. After a deliberation lasting, like, a scant 12 minutes, the jury found him guilty on all counts, and Justice Henry Hawkins sentenced him to death. Less than a month after his conviction, on the 15th of November, Cream was hanged on the gallows at Newgate Prison by James Billington. As was customary with, like, all executed criminals at the time, his body was buried the same day in an unmarked grave within the prison walls. Okay. Good good times, guys. Yeah, so, like, more about Jack the Ripper and Dr. Thomas Neal Cream. So Billington, the executioner, claimed that Cream's last words on the scaffold were, I am Jack the... dot dot dot, and then he died. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. Billington, of course, like, promoted this incident as, like, proof that he himself was responsible for executing the famous Victorian serial killer, Jack the Ripper. Mm. Right? So he went around saying this, right? These claims remain unverified since police officials and others who attended the execution made no mention of Cream saying that. Mm -hmm. And the records seemed to indicate that Cream was in prison at the time of the Ripper murders in 1888. So it would have been, like, theoretically impossible for him to be the Ripper. However, Donald Bell suggested that Cream could have bribed officials, as he does, to let him leave the prison before his official release, like, to go and come back to. Oh, okay. And Sir Edward Marshall Hall suspected that his prison term may have been served by a lookalike who'd taken his place. Uh, yeah, but he's an idiot. 
A little so bit. It just seems like not something he could pull off. He'd have to bribe people to think about it And for he's him. not good at bribing people. No, he'd have to be like, hey, are you smart? I'll give you money to be smart for me. Yeah. But like, and they're like, well, I do I ever have a plan for you? But yeah, so like these theories are considered unlikely since they contradict the publicized evidence given by Illinois authorities at the time and the newspapers, but also they were contradicted by statements made by Cream's solicitors, Cream's family, and even Cream himself. But it's hard to say. I mean, it's not like the guy was honest and he did like to bribe people. Plus, he was a surgically skilled doctor, which many people think the Ripper would have had to be. So it's like unlikely, but who knows, Mm. right? I doubt it. Yeah, it's, it's hard stupid. to say. Yeah, it's hard to say. But I mean, sometimes, like... <laughs> I don't like, have any faith in his ability to To be Jack anything, the Ripper. Really. Yeah, I'm not sure about that either. But it's hard to say, right? Like, he did get a doctor's degree, but in 1850-whatever, what does that, that mean, meant, right? That just means that you, like, have a bag of leather. You could give tinctures. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, one of Cream's biographers theorized instead that Cream, on the scaffold and about to be hanged, was so frightened that he lost control of his bodily functions and stammered, I am ejaculating. Which could have been mistaken for, I am Jack. Okay. That would be bad last words to have. That is terrible last words. Yeah, like, come up with something better there. (laughs) But yeah, like, English-Canadian writer Chris Scott won an Arthur Ellis Award for Best Crime Novel in 1989 for his novel Jack, which was based on the premise that Cream was Jack the Ripper. I think I might have read that. Yeah. But it would have been when I was, like, 19. Right, because, like, this article, like, all the research I did made him sound kind of foolish, but in some ways he was actually clever, and it's, like... Mm -hmm. Really I don't remember anything about Cream himself, but I, I just remember that reading book. that book. Yeah. Like, I feel like that was I the read premise. the one that was titled just Jack. Although there might be, probably it was more than one, but Yeah, but possible. he won an award and see what found it. Cream would have come up probably in everybody's book at some point, even if it wasn't based on a premise that they that he was Jack the Ripper. Exactly. He was one of the suspects or, you know. There was that, like, there was a bunch of rumors behind that being po- a possibility. Yeah. yeah. And, like... I just don't remember I it. I find it weird. Like, I don't know. It, it's interesting it's to think interesting. about. Like, so the motives for his crimes, right? Like, mm-hmm. why the fuck did he want to poison yeah. a bunch of people, right? So the motivation for the series of poisonings has actually, like, never been quite settled. It's, like, generally been assumed that Cream was, like, just a sadist who enjoyed the very thought of the agonies his victims would, like, inevitably experience, even if he was not necessarily, like, physically present to witness their actual deaths, right? Mm -hmm. However, Cream was also, like, very interested in money, obviously. Yeah, not good at getting it, but interested in it for sure. I mean, he must have at some point, but, like, that wouldn't be publicized. Only the ones that he failed at were publicized, (laughs) which were numerous. They were numerous. Yeah, so it's a possibility that he committed the murders in order to profit from all his resulting accusations and extortions against other people. So from the start of the series of crimes, Cream wrote blackmail notes mainly to prominent members of society, plus the poisoning of his one known male victim, that's Daniel Stott, was committed with the hope that Stott's wealthy widow would share the deceased's estate with him, right? Yeah, so back to his former wife, Flora, for a second. While he wasn't convicted for it, in addition to the five poisonings that Cream was openly convicted, Uh, convicted for he is also heavily suspected in the murder of his wife flora brooks as i mentioned earlier and at least like four other women who died in his care while undergoing abortions so it's very possible that there are like a lot of people 
who he killed, but who weren't formally attributed to his crimes, yeah, right? Yeah, that's pretty common. Yeah, exactly. That is pretty common. When you got a serial killer. Yeah. yeah, like, unless they tell you, like, uh, you think I killed 20, but I killed... More. <laughs> I killed <Yeah>. 21. <laughs> like, what are you going to do, right? De- like, denom- de- demonic. Diabolical. Diabolical. I, can't say I don't words know. Today. Devilish. I don't know. Devilish. There we go. So, I have a little bonus note that has nothing to do with Dr. Cream. Okay. Because uh, when I was this a bit more uplifting, I mean, it's also like extremely depressing, but like, oh, good. It's inspiring. It's okay. inspiring. And this is just a quick summary of someone like I read about while I was researching poisoning cases. So, and I consider doing it, but this is like in depth. So, Maximilian Kolbe, uh, or Kolbe, was a man who sheltered Jewish people during wartime and was first starved after he volunteered to take another man's place in the starvation chamber. And then he accepted a lethal injection of the extremely caustic and poisonous carbolic acid with incredibly brave calmness. Like, he just turned his, like, arm over to them without a word. Oh. Yeah. So this guy was, like, a saint. Huh. Yeah. So that's a bit more uplifting. He saved Jewish people. He got and then he, convicted for it. And then he got, yeah, a lethal injection and just took it. Yeah, he just, he was just like, that's fine. Like, just like, yeah, you well, know. what he did was right, so I guess he's got yeah, he righteousness knew. on his side. Yeah, he knew he was right. And, like, the reason he took that guy's uh, place in the starvation chamber, too, is because the man who was going to be put there was, like, my family or something. Like, he'd cried out, like, my family, my children or something. So, mm-hmm. like, um, so, like, Maximilian was just like, I'll take his place. Huh. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, right? So I thought that was a nice way to end that. Yeah. Yeah, like, by talking about someone other than fucking Dr. Cream, who's kind of an, a mess. You want to hear about mine? I do. No, you don't. Tell me yeah, you do. all about it. Because yours stuff. also has the word cream in it. What's, I know. What's people in cream? So this is the story of Christiana Edmonds, a.k.a. the chocolate cream killer. <sighs> so, so Christiana much Edmonds, she was born in Margate, Kent, and she was the oldest child of her parents. Right. Her father was an architect named William Edmonds, and he designed the local Holy Trinity Church and the Margate Lighthouse. Huh. So he's kind of a big deal. The Um, Holy Trinity Church is, like, (laughs) my favorite joint. What can I say? Yeah, right. Yeah. And she had a privileged upbringing. Like, her parents were wealthy. She got to go to private education. Okay. Yeah. She was So she was fine. Not a hard childhood. She was diagnosed with hysteria in her early 20s. (laughs) Hey, that's a thing. Me (laughs) too. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, yes. Hysteria. That medical diagnosis that That very medical scientific based diagnosis yeah of hysteria, <laughs> of hysteria. Yeah. uh bad humor is coming from your uterus yeah disorder. you've got too much bile uh, apparently yeah. melancholy <laughs> <laughs> um she was living with her widowed mother in the 1860s mm. and then she became involved with a local doctor named charles beard charming the nature of the relationship is controversial so nobody like some people say, oh, yeah, they were totally getting it on. And some people are and like, And some people no. are like, no, she was just stalking him. Oh, good. For a little bit. <laughs> just a oh, little light geez. stalking. Yeah. And in September 1870, Christina poisoned Charles' wife by giving her a poisoned chocolate cream. Okay. That's where she gets her name. Yeah. Right. So Mrs. Beard recovered after her, a violent illness. Yeah. So she survived. But um, – and Charles suspected uh, Christiana, right? Yeah. Uh, like but he – 
didn't act on this because there was a lack of proof and he was also concerned over the scandal that it would cause when he was like, hey, this woman who I may or may not be involved with, but who is clearly in love with me, poisoned my wife. Yeah, in the 1800s, I think that's probably a big deal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it kind of still is. So yeah, there you go. In 1871, Christiana began buying chocolate creams from a local confectioner named John Maynard. Oh, weird. And I don't know, but like Maynard makes the wine gums and stuff. Yeah. It might be, I don't know. I was just about to say, like, I wonder if that was him, yeah. Yeah. Like that family line. Yeah. Crazy. So she took them home, and she laced them with strychnine, and then she re- would return them to him. Where is everyone getting all the strychnine? I don't know. Wh- so Was there, like, a strychnine store in the 1800s? A chemist. They're like, here, buy your strychnine. A chemist. We got your strychnine. <laughs> so John chemist, Maynard fair. sold them, not knowing, yeah. um, obviously, that they were poisoned. Christiana initially got the poison from a local chemist named Isaac Garrett, saying she needed it to poison stray cats, which is just evil. Anyway. Yeah, that's not good. No. And then to cover her tracks, after a while, she started paying young boys to buy the poison for her. Right. Uh, Several people in Brighton got sick, but no one connected it to what they had eaten right away, right? Which is odd. Yeah. But then in June 1871... Four-year-old Sidney Albert Barker, who was on holiday with his family, died from eating chocolates from Maynard. Oh, no. The Brighton coroner, David Black, ruled his death accidental. What? And then later, uh, this was confirmed to be the only death caused by Christiana. What? But yeah, it was initially ruled accidental. I, I accidentally ate strychnine-laced chocolate. I know. Well, I'm not Sometimes sure what kind of tests they had, like, in the AT- Like, what was the, what was the screening that they went through with? Right. These things, right? Yeah, they wouldn't necessarily know. Um, she ended up increasing her poisoning campaign. Oh, good. <laughs> and started sending parcels of chocolates to prominent people, including Mrs. Beard, who got sick again. Mrs. Stop Beard, eating stop chocolate. eating chocolate creams from <laughs> mysterious sources. What are you doing? <laughs> I know. Uh, finally, the police connected the poisonings to the chocolates. No shit. Good job. Finally. Good job. You did it, guys. Christiana decided to send parcels to herself so that she could claim that she was also a victim. Right. She was hoping to deflect the suspicion off of her and onto Maynard. Which makes sense. It makes sense. Dr. Beard told the police at this point of his suspicions, and Christiana was arrested and charged with the attempted murder of Mrs. Beard and the murder of Sidney Barker. The case was moved from Lewes to the Old Bailey. Ah, the Old Bailey. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. Good place. Old Bailey. And during the trial, which began in 1872, her mother testified that both sides of the family had a history of mental illness. Okay. Um, Dr. Beard said he never had a sexual relationship with her, but there was a series of letters that was sent to him by her and mild flirtations. So, it's, yeah, like that's so where it's hard it to say. It sounded more like she was in love with him and just sent him letters and maybe they flirted a bit. Yeah. But he could just be saying that to save his reputation yeah so it's hard to say yeah yeah christiana was sentenced to death but then this was commuted to life imprisonment due to her mental state and she ended up spending the rest of her life in broadmoor criminal lunatic asylum and she died in 1907 oh yeah lunatic asylum sounds like she's kind of like aggravated by being in love with that doctor but then she just decided to poison everybody because she was crazy yeah, there was something up there. Because, yeah. like, I mean, the poisoning the wife thing makes some sense. But, like, yeah. why just poison but all why of everybody? Yeah. I mean, maybe she was hoping that, like, you know, she could get the wife poisoned. But if it showed up as, like, everyone else getting poisoned, too, from the store, that would be even more effective for, like, pinning it on Maynard. Yeah. 
I think so too. I think yeah, that makes sense. Like trying to make it seem like it was a mass incident. Yeah, that's uh, because they would suspect into. her immediately if it was just targeted at Mrs. Beard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Mrs. Beard wasn't going to the store to buy chocolates enough, so she had to finally send her a parcel. <laughs> Which was a bad idea. Like, who does this? Okay, if I receive a mysterious parcel of food that's like not labeled or whatever, I'm not gonna eat it. No. Like, fuck that. I guess in the 1800s that was more common. To just Here. Eat. Just, parcels of food. I guess maybe if you're starving or something, you're just like, I'll I just guess. eat whatever the fuck you give me. <laughs> yeah. Chocolate creams. Yay. Obviously, poisoning was the most common thing, was very common back then. It makes sense. So you should be more careful when eating parcel food. Well, considering how often I eat parcel food, that's going to be a problem. I know. Whenever that's I That's your receive... entire life livelihood. Like, it's, it is. It's all you eat. Yeah, that's that's Why exactly we need a nutritionist? It. Yeah, that's why I need a nutritionist, because I only eat things from parcels. If it didn't come in a parcel, fuck that. And he's not eating if you didn't get a parcel, so. Yeah, like if you. Parcel-less days are hungry days. Yeah, it's important. If you buy me food at any point in time, and it's not parceled, well, I'm just going to throw it out. Yeah. Screw that. garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you, like, buy me takeout sushi and it's not in a parcel, <laughs> you can wrap it in brown paper and send it through the mail. <laughs> I'm just like, Ew. fuck, no. Sushi, parcel sushi. That'd be so bad. Uh, well, I mean, that could be why, you know, I'm not feeling so good. But probably be. not. Probably not. <laughs> I'm those, sure it's fine. The parceled raw fish. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Everything's it's fine. fine. Yeah, it's good. It's it's good. I, I'm good. Friend's fine. I'm, I'm fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so email that. us so, at twoscaredsiblings at gmail.com. Yeah, and we have a Patreon, which is, you know, Patreon slash Two Scared Siblings. Patreon.com slash Two Scared Siblings, yeah. Well, I mean, if you just typed in why I said that wouldn't make sense, but you can if you want. <laughs> Look, I don't own you. You should type in what I said, though. It's much easier. <laughs> and <laughs> um, what else? Uh, we are on everything as Two Scared Siblings, like pretty much like literally everything. Except for Twitter, where we're uh, Two Scared Sibs. Yeah, exactly. Too scared sibs. Yeah. And then yeah. my personal one is at Andrea Noel 3. And mine is at Toy Carousels. I had to think about that for a second. I'm yeah. like, who am I? I know. I had to think too because I was like, wait. What's my identity? Yeah. Who, who am I? Who am I? <laughs> am I? Okay. I, we're just wandering through the mist here. Like, That's all we, we assume we have identities, but like, probably not. Um, but it's a possibility. Who knows, right? Like, maybe. Anyway. Yeah, we'll come up with some so that we can market them. How okay. about that? Sounds good. All right, yeah, perfect. So, yeah, now is the point where we give you a non-strychnine laced kiss. You're welcome. Mine's laced. <laughs> Andrea, you <laughs> fucked it up. Why do you always have to put strychnine in your kisses? Okay, well, mine's not laced, I promise. I'll give you money. Liar. Bye. Sleep well.